0: It's the Ruby on Rails podcast, July 2, 2008, show number 80. This time, Adam Keyes interviews me at RailsConf in Portland. We also learn about the phrase of 2008. The Ruby on Rails podcast is sponsored by Atlantic Dominion Solutions, located at techcfl.com. ADS is a web development innovator that specializes in building user focused Rails applications and enhancing their performance. With Amazon Web Services, ADS also provides twenty four seven monitoring and management of EC two deployments, as well as fully managed hosting on virtual servers optimized for Rails applications. Jeffrey, we all know you. From, we all know you from the podcast,
1: newbie on Rails, and your public speaking. But who is Jeffrey Gosenbach
0: really? That is a big question. It all started when I was born at a very young age, and it progressed from there. You know, I don't try to put on much of a facade except that I'm wearing a suit that I rarely ever wear and sunglasses exactly. that I rarely ever wear. But other than the, the uh, minor visual details, I try to just be truthful to who I am.
1: Who you are. And, and speaking of who you are, what is the origin of your, uh, uh, your, your online name, Top Funky?
0: Well... To be honest, I was a first little bit worried when I rose to the level of micro celebrity to which I've achieved because I got top funky by reading in uh, oh, what was that Cuban Council? What's their blog? K ten K. Okay. K ten K. I think it's dot net blog. It's this kind of pixel graphics blog, and they had uh, they they were doing a lot of cool stuff, even in like. 2001 or something like that with little JavaScript and interactivity on the page and uh at one point they had a little thing I think in their about box and they said you know this guy uses a Dell and this other guy uses a top funky power book (laughs) and I thought oh that's a fun you know fun fun adjective and domain name was free it was just going to kind of be fun name fun thing but now that's the actual name of my company I'm incorporated for so hopefully they don't sue me for (laughs) stealing their uh their creative sure content,
1: won't. yeah. Um, so, you, it, one time you were a school teacher, and you're a pro hacker. So, just tell us about how you got here, somewhere between your birth and
0: uh, and now. Yeah, well, I've uh, kind of been. Probably like a lot of people, it's hard for me to remember like the first time I used a computer. I know my mm-hmm. stepdad was a school teacher, and so he brought down an Apple E one time. Yeah. And he was in there, you know, opening manuals and trying to learn how to use this thing and two, fl- you know, big floppy disks and all this kind of stuff. And right. So I kind of cut my teeth on that. In fourth grade, I was in this little program and got to learn basic little TRS-80, save your program to a cassette tape when you're done and hopefully you can run it again the next day and anyway that progressed from there and out of uh, college did a little Java Mm -hmm. wrote some kind of spider type bots before RSS to pull in some information and aggregate some kind of like government contracting information for a company so that was pretty interesting you know multi-threading and you know, working with some web content, trying to parse yeah. web pages and stuff like that. Of course, something like h would have made it a lot easier. But uh, And then kind of after the dot-com boom in 2001 mm-hmm. or whatever, got a job. At that time, I was kind of interested in Pearl, and there was a huge Pearl group in Seattle. They yeah. were, I think some insurance company had a huge auditorium, and they would have famous Perl developers come in to give speeches, and I even okay. gave a few few speeches there. And uh, one thing led another, and it ended up being a technology coordinator at an American school in Taiwan. And and uh, eventually moved back to Seattle and got in, got into this whole Ruby thing. Yeah, kind of a funny roundabout with all that. Is I did end up going back to the Pearl Group and. Talking about Ruby on Rails, yeah. I just wrote them up, and they were like, "Oh yeah, come talk to it." It was like eight people left, and most of them were there to hear about Rails and hear yeah. about Ruby. So, so did they receive kind of back sad, but
1: with open arms, or was there some grumbling?
0: They they were glad to have me there, but you could tell that they were all the kind of wind had gone out of the sails of. Of yeah. the Pearl community, at least in Seattle, you know many people are still using Perl and yeah. and doing things with it. But at least in that that group, it had, was not what it had been at one point.
1: Well, they'll always be able to write Pearl and Klingon, on, and we don't quite have that yet.
0: Exactly. I did see a, a lecture by Damien Conway, famous Australian Pearl developer, and he did this talk about like all of his shell shortcuts and stuff like that, yeah. and like you know two thirds of the the shell shortcuts I use are just straight out of his playbook. Yeah. Really useful stuff.
1: Yeah, so you've published a lot of stuff like that about your workflow, the shell shortcuts you use. Um, you published a great article on the custom uh, textile filter you use. Uh, what what motivates you to publish that sort of stuff? Like, uh, what's the re- yeah? What's the background on that?
0: Well, you know, I didn't really pick up any kind of blogging until two thousand four, two thousand five or something like that. So mm-hmm. I was pretty late to that game. But I think somehow the first article that I threw up on Nubian Rails got linked to from the actual Rails blog and <laughs> I don't know how they even found it. I think somehow the projection guys or something mm-hmm. I wrote a little bit thing about sparklines and and I guess they thought it was interesting. So that was kind of initially very motivating to keep yeah keep doing it because I would see that people are actually reading it, and I think that's probably mo- motivation for a lot of open source developers. Is yeah. yes, they like doing it, but also other people are are using it and find it useful and and find it interesting. And to be honest, then it's helped to for me be able to promote keep code and and uh, make a business out of it and keep keep publishing that content as well.
1: Yeah. So so you mentioned the Seattle Pe- Pearl Group, but I think most people are kind of curious. What is it like to attend a meeting of the uh, the epic seattle.rb? What's that like?
0: Well, the very first time I attended was a little bit intimidating because we met at one of the Amazon headquarters, and it was this huge, long conference table, mm-hmm. and at the end of it was Ryan Davis in a black T-shirt. <laughs> I felt like Han Solo walking into the Cloud City and seeing... Darth Vader at the end of the table nice. and you know there was an important moment right there where I could have just turned tail and ran and I would have never met Adam Keyes but fortunately I stayed and Ryan Ryan Davis turned out to be a, not too bad of a guy pretty nice guy once you meet, meet him in person Indeed. a little bit scary on the internet but uh, from there you know I think it's almost more true to the group that we just meet in a coffee shop and you know, you just come in, there's no lecture, there's nothing organized, you just sit down, you may, some people show up, have their head down and work on some project and leave yeah. two hours later, and some people will chat with with another friend about something or start up a project or whatever happens.
1: And what what, what do you think is the, the root of the extraordinary productivity of Seattle.rb? Is it in the water?
0: I have no idea. I know that wind's, uh Winston Wilson Bilkovich, whenever he comes to Seattle, he always just spends his entire time at that coffee shop because he feels like that is the best coffee shop in North America. The proprietor actually roasts his own beans, has this highly technical roasting process where there's only like a 0.5 degree variation for the entire duration of the the beans being roasted. And so it may be just... Enterprise. Enterprise Beans.
1: That's, that's, that's good stuff. So, Peep Code. Tell us, about. how did you come to do that? And maybe explain it in case someone listening to this found an iPod on the street and doesn't have internet access.
0: Yeah, Peep Code is just uh, some screencasts about an hour long where I try to dig into a topic, often a topic that I don't really know that well, but I'm learning, and usually I'll have a, a technical consultant who will correct me and, and to make sure that information is accurate in the end. Yeah. But, and then, uh, you know, ways to learn Rails, get a little bit of j- JavaScript, and of course branching out in some other areas. But where did I get the idea? You know, I guess in the early days of Rails, Hannemeyer Hansen was doing some screencasts, and yeah. that made it popular even previous to that I'd sent out screencasts to my clients Mm -hmm. showing them how to use different parts of the custom site that I'd written for them or whatever so that that was something definitely I was interested in and you know threw threw up a screencast on a a blog said hey nine bucks would anybody be willing to pay for this kind of thing if they did could I spend more of my time making these and turns out People love it. They uh, give me a lot of great support, and I'm doing it full-time. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I love the peep
1: codes. They're
0: it is fantastic. a funny thing. The original, you know, I kind of brainstormed a lot of different names. Yeah. And originally, I wanted code peep. Yeah, I don't know why, but the domain name was taken. So that well, I'll switch it around, Peep code. Yeah, much better choice. I don't know why I didn't go with that to begin with, but I'm glad that's what I ended up with.
1: I, I had bought that domain <laughs> for you so that you could use the better name. My, the the guy the soft guiding hand. Thank you. What's the future of Peepcode? What's what's coming up? What's in the pipeline? You know, upcoming screencasts and PDFs, PDFs and uh, anything else you might be branching out into.
0: You know, I started out. I was just going to be me only, and it was just going to be screencasts, I started doing PDFs as well and built together this workflow that a lot of other authors now have have used. Uh, Ryan Daigle, writing about Rails 2 and Scott Chacon, writing about Git yeah. and all this kind of stuff. So I definitely have a probably almost a dozen authors working on different PDF projects, and I'm starting to have more people work, starting to work on some screencast projects as well, so definitely going to stay close to the rails related topics but hoping to branch out a little bit into uh, you know maybe some general css and design type issues as well that would be useful to to developers and yeah. and to designers as well
1: so you have a a really great a beautifully designed weblog and in, in addition to the peepcode site and the and the ruby on rails podcast site and and i've noticed that you you, you went to a topography conference and you're you're, sort, you're very uh, renaissance man about this so how, how did you get into that visual design stuff and how does that affect your development style
0: yeah I do feel like that's kind of a, an area where I do like to just be kind of right in the middle of coding and, and design and, and visual graphics I remember growing up my mom was into calligraphy and from a young age I her just practicing her different letters and stuff like that yeah. and thinking that it, that looked really cool maybe I'd like to do that someday well, I haven't. I, I can't do any kind of calligraphy, but it probably did make me appreciate different elements of graphic design and, yeah. and visual presentation like that.
1: What about, and how does that uh, feed into the, the way um, you write code?
0: Well, I think an obvious thing is that the output of a lot of that is ends up being uh, some dynamic graphics. Admittedly, a lot of those are part of the administrative face of peep code yeah. that I look at every day and other people don't see. And But, you know, I've got some other ideas where I'd, I'd like to to wrap in kind of gra- graphical and programmatic yeah. things all together. I think in the Rails and the Ruby community in general, there's a real appreciation for a certain aesthetic in code, yeah, which is probably what, what led me to, to Ruby at least a little bit. I did one of the most memorable first few Times in the Seattle Ruby Brigade was watching someone present some code, and you know, big Ryan Davis looks like a huge ninja. He said, "That's pretty." So I said, yeah. "I guess this is a community I could be part of."
1: Exactly. I mean, I find, I, I find that just looking at code, there are times when I say, "This is this is ugly." Um, is it? So, is, is there any kind of? Any, anything specific about Ruby that you found or in building Rails apps where that that aesthetic um, gave you better code?
0: Wow, I do love the Haml templates. Yeah. To me, I feel like that just kind of clears away a lot of the cruft and helps me just to not have to think about angle brackets and yeah. type two of those for every tag. Uh-huh. Yes, I could use a TextMate snippet, but... Uh, so I think that's maybe one practical way. Um, beyond that, you know, it's kind of hard to, to make a direct direct correlation. I guess a good thing is that Rails is very flexible, so if you want to do graphical stuff, it's easy to, to get there.
1: Yeah. So you're a bit of a world traveler. I believe you've done training, uh, you know, Ruby and Rails training, in, in a lot of different places. So how did you get into that in, like, uh What's some of the more more interesting places and in, uh, training sorts of stuff you've done?
0: Yeah, I've got to give props to uh, Hennemeyer Hansen. One of the first things I did, they had actually asked him to go to London and teach this Rails workshop, and uh-huh. for whatever reason, he didn't want to do it. And so he said, hey, why don't you go talk to Jeffrey Grossenbach? And at that point, I don't know if I'd even done any workshops at all. And fortunately went out there and... and did that, kind of cut my teeth on that, Yeah. so been back to London a, a couple times, definitely going to Sydney, Australia was a huge deal, that was a lot of fun, and surprisingly, Australia is like the third or fourth largest purchaser of peep code, really? you know, I have a little country breakdown, it's like, you know, United States, Canada, UK, yeah. and then Australia, you know, maybe English language or whatever but you know there seems like there's some european countries that you would think would be bigger so going down to australia was great technology community especially rails oh yeah and they've even got some great conferences and their rails camps and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah that's cool so so get some of your opinions here what do you think are the are the important next steps for the ruby language
0: you know, I think it's baffling just looking at all the different virtual machines that people are working on. The fact is, most developers are happy with the Ruby language as is. Nobody's saying, you know, we need objects that work better or yeah. a necessarily different kind of syntax. As far as I've been able to hear from the things that I've been re- that I've been reading, people love the Ruby language as it is, and it's more just the the guts underneath and the kinds of things that that could make an, make possible if Rubinius can give us a little bit more introspection into the classes and objects and the VM itself. Right. And if something like Maglev is going to give us access to these amazing object database stores, I yeah. think it's going to be pretty impressive. So that those are the kinds of things I'm looking forward to.
1: Raw- awesome. Uh, and what about Rails? What do you think is big in the future of Rails?
0: You know, at one point, I thought Rails was really going to kind of shrink down, and there was going to be less and less, and that it was it was going to just be this real small core, maybe kind of the way that that Merb has gone mm-hmm. a little bit. And obviously, definitely, they've kept enhancing it with very useful things. And somehow, from causes, talk this morning, have been able to even speed up Rails. So maybe that's yeah. not a bad thing to have have more features like this. Um you know one in one aspect I'd love to see a lot more kind of desktop interaction. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in trying out some building some iPhone apps and yeah. can those communicate with rails in a in a really productive way? But to be honest, you know most of that is already there and it's just maybe serializing in, in a different way to get that information back and forth. So I think the Hard, hard to think of one specific thing that would really be great. It's more maybe just all the ways that I want to use Rails with, with different desktop or mobile apps.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. I think that's a big deal. Uh, the hybrid des- desktop web apps. Uh, so what what's got your attention outside of uh, Ruby? Like you know beyond the Ruby and the Rails, what are you excited about and looking into?
0: Well, if you want to go way, way out beyond uh, technology at all, about the last six months, been playing the double bass. Big yeah. five foot tall uh, wooden instrument barely fits in the back of my station wagon, and it is tricky. That's I used been to play double bass as well. You did okay, you yeah. Can. And fortunately, I've got a great teacher and a couple other people in a workshop. I'm I'm doing to to learn that, and it's surprising how many of those concepts will benefit me in the programming area or at least interchange yeah surprisingly you know i doubt that my bass teacher reads 37 signals but he'll talk about the constraints of staying within a certain scale or yeah or within certain notes or or pulling back to to less with playing fewer notes more expressively and that yeah. kind of thing so it's fun to to get out of the technological area at all and and be able to still kind of see that some of those truths still be useful.
1: Yeah, the double pace is especially interesting for constraints, because, you know, it's it's a very large instrument, and the strings don't want to move. Yep. And so, you really have to play less and uh, conserve your energy and stuff like that. So, so, the last two just kind of human interest questions. This one's for the ladies, although I know you're a married man, so they'll have to restrain themselves uh you're 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 pro, po, po, definitely the only programmer here in a three-piece suit um and you may be the only person here in a three-piece suit looking quite dapper if i do say so myself what talk us through that
0: well you know i like to stand out and probably immediately practically i had to buy this suit for my wife's brother's wedding a year ago so I feel like I should get some use out of it but I like to dress up from time to time I used to occasionally sport the bow tie in, even in high school yeah. that's a little, uh, little too frivolous for me at this point in my life but I do like to dress up and, and finally found some good shirts that actually you know long enough for my arms yeah. fit nicely around the torso mm-hmm. when you feel good you can be confident and uh, that's what I need
1: yeah, for the, for those of you out there in podcast land, he really does look like a, a hacker uh, Christian Bale. He's a uh, he's quite striking.
0: So, I won't I won't tell you whether or not I'm also Batman.
1: <laughs> or and he's also going to be uh, the Terminator guy, John Connor. So finally, if you could retire and do whatever you want tomorrow, and you know you didn't necessarily have to code or do peep codes, you know, even though you enjoy those, um, what would you do?
0: You know, I tell everybody, I feel like I've got the best job in the world, um, love what I'm doing, it's a lot of fun, I probably would love to study study the double bass a little bit more, I probably would continue to travel, there are a lot of different cities and countries I'd love to, love to go to, never been to South America, mm-hmm. I'd love to go to like to Istanbul and... Uh, some of the other Middle Eastern countries like that seem really interesting to me um, I'd probably like to get a little bit into to video put together some kind of documentary or yeah. some kind of journalistic documentary type event like that whatever it is I really enjoy having some kind of a product to where at the end of a certain period of time I can point to something and say yeah that's what I did and, yeah. and it's it's done so I think it would have even if it was just in my free time or leisure time, I would probably still have to be doing something creative and, and some kind of product.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think that kind of ties the whole Ruby and Rails community together. We're all very much people want to be able to, at the end of the day, point at something and say, I did that. So, well, thanks for uh, letting me interview you, and uh, goodbye, people in podcast land.
0: Thanks. Okay, I'm not trying to have the last word here, but I do have to follow up. Last year, quite un- unplanned on my account, I was talking to Adam Keyes and also Patrick Ewing, and we introduced the term duck punching into the world, which now has showed up on Wikipedia. I saw the book The Art of Rails. We, there's actually a sidebar in there about duck punching, and it talks about how Adam and, and Patrick first... Presented that on the the Rails podcast, so I thought it was only appro- only <laughs> appropriate that we introduce another term and see if we can get this new term into books and and maybe even Wikipedia.
1: Hopefully so. So the 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 new term, the new language that I'd like to introduce this year uh, in the Scaling Rails present- uh, panel this afternoon at RailsConf. Uh, I, be- I believe it's Kevin Lawyer or Lawson. Uh, Apologies for getting the name wrong. Um, from AOL was saying, you know, <coughs> you can uh, either get something right, you know, you can... There, there's some aspect of scaling. You can you can either get it right or you can show the whale. So, I am proposing... Yeah, I'm encouraging everyone to use show the whale as the new euphemism for um, a sort of soft... Uh, failure
0: or trouble time. It's unfortunate that we had to introduce a negative term, but you know it's a lot more fun to say, and it works a lot better than you know the site fell over, or it crashed, or it broke, or just fail, or just yeah. fail.
1: Yeah, I think I think show the whale. I, I, I'm getting ba- I'm getting behind show the whale for 2008 2009.
0: Well, thank you, Adam Keys. Thank you.